Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Chad Theory. I'm your host, Chad James. Jared Hayne has been found guilty by a Sydney jury for the second time. This was Hayne's third trial over the same matter from the night of the NRL Grand Final way back in 2018, so about four and a half years ago, where he sexually assaulted a young woman in her home at Newcastle while he had a taxi waiting outside. Let's hear from Jared Hayne himself moments after the guilty verdict outside the courthouse. You must be devastated by that. Oh, devastated, mate. Devastated. Oh. I'm going to keep standing for the truth. And that's it. Your 100%. I never lied to police. I never deleted evidence. I never hid witnesses. You do the math. Will you appeal, Jared? So there you go, Jared Hayne outside the courtroom moments after. Nico's with me. Nico, you're having a chuckle, mate. What's what's so funny about that clip? <laughs> Footballer telling you to do the math, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, we shouldn't we shouldn't be laughing, right? You know, the person's well, liberty's at stake. He's going to jail. Yeah, um, yeah. I will say just before we get started, on a serious note, quick trigger warning today as usual with these kinds of podcasts ladies and gentlemen we will be discussing the details of a sexual assault so please use your discretion time and place wherever you are if there's kids within earshot take care of yourselves Uh, it's up to you whether or not you want to continue but uh, all cards out on the table for those of you who might be sensitive to those issues so we're going to go through the details of the lead up to the verdict Nico, there's a couple of uh, jury notes, a couple of jury questions that, that we'll discuss, which are quite interesting. We'll recap the important pieces of evidence that led to Jared Haynes' conviction. And I also want to discuss the civil case because the victim, she filed a civil case, Nico. I, I don't know when it was, if it was between the first and the second trial or if it was at the very, very was- beginning. Pretty early on. Yeah, it would have been early on. And I believe it was before the second trial, actually. I do know that because the civil case is on hold until, um, you know, a verdict came out. And she also had to wait for the appeal. And she'll probably have to wait for this appeal because, Hayne, I don't know if you guys heard in uh, in the clip that we just played, he's plans to appeal, no doubt. So still some time to go. However, there are some interesting details that the guilty verdict, if it's upheld on appeal, will have for that civil case, which we will get to. So this could potentially, on top of some more years in prison, it could get expensive for Jared Hayne. So then we'll give you all the bits and pieces that the mainstream media missed so you're well-informed over and above the standard headlines. That's what we do here, Nico. We try to. (laughs) And we'll talk about the uh, the legal directions and their and their and their terms that the uh, the media don't like to talk about. Anytime there's a mention of a case or whatever, it never never makes it into the media, like case law. Yeah, they don't go into the details, and that's where no. we fill the gap. So, what do you reckon? Let's get into it, eh? All right, let's go. 
Hey, thanks for listening. Just a quick note, if you're hearing this message, it's because you haven't subscribed yet. To get access to the full episode, check out the link below to subscribe. If you're on Spotify, it's seamless on the app. Just click subscribe and all of those full episodes will appear with the black logo. But if you're on a different app, all you have to do is subscribe and then copy the RSS link into the podcast app that you use and you will get the full episode feed as well. So not to worry, whatever platform you're on, you can get access to the full episode. And the reason why that we do things this way is because we don't have ads on our podcast. We rely on the support of listeners to do what we do. So if you like what we do and you want to support us, become a subscriber, get access to full episodes and help us out to keep doing these awesome podcasts. Nico, guilty verdict Jared Hayne, third time around, what was your immediate reaction? Well, I think it was, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty <laughs> if crazy. If you remember right? correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That oh, was the message look, that you said. I mean, eight days of deliberations. I would have thought the longer it goes, the closer you're getting to a hung jury or a not guilty. So after eight days to turn around and hand up a, a guilty verdict – I don't know. I reckon maybe some of those jurors just wanted to get it over with before Easter. It, it, it <laughs> like, is. Not only was it, you know, many hours of deliberation, the jury actually sent a note to the judge on Monday basically saying, look, we can't agree. And then I guess a day and a half later, they came out with a guilty verdict. They, they, so that was the let, – let's actually go through that yeah. for a second. That was the yeah, Monday morning, yeah. right? That was the Monday morning. The judge gave him the black direction. So let's break down this black direction, you know, albeit briefly for everyone so they sort of understand, you know, if is it normal? Is it is it unique? Does it happen all the time? What is a black direction and is it used often? Black direction comes from a case called Black and the Queen from 1993 and – the principle is that the jury has to feel free to deliberate without any pressure on them to, re to reach a verdict because that kind of pressure might mean that there's a miscarriage of, of justice, that people haven't properly considered the facts and it's just like, yeah, okay, let's get it over with because we want an answer. So there's been, there's been a few cases after that as well. You know, where... just, just quickly, on the, the actual precedent case, that 1993 High Court case... Yeah, yeah, you, you know was, the facts, right? Well, well, it was, I don't know like the details, details, but I do know that it was about two arson offences. So apparently Black, the guy, had lit, I don't know, like two houses on fire, one in, one in 1986 and one in 1987. Get this, the jury were only deliberating for three hours when they received the direction from the judge in the lower court. So... A three-hour deliberation and the judge has to give them instructions? Three hours is nothing for a jury. Yeah. So I thought yeah. that was weird. But th there are two points of contention that the high court pointed out. The first one was – I'm not going to go through the actual jury direction that was in question, but it was basically a couple of points. Number one was when the judge pointed out the expense to the public – of jury deliberations and, and the high court basically said that no, you can't say that because that's going to put undue pressure on the jury thinking that oh you know we're on the public purse 
we're costing taxpayers money, you know, we should just agree and and get on with this. So that that was the first thing. The the, the High Court said, no, 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 you, you can't mention expense to the public. <laughs> so don't do that. Number two, they said the direction the judge gave in the lower court where they alluded to jurors having a, a duty to compromise with other jurors is actually false. Jurors do not have a duty to compromise with other jurors. Each juror- Oh, well, look, they're not, they're not supposed to, but- 100% that's yeah. what happens, man. The if reality you've got of it. One or, two, yeah. one or two people holding out, right? And they're like, I want to, you know, I want to get back to my job. I've got bills to pay. Not, I mean, a lot of, unless I think you're maybe like a state government employee, there's no obligation for companies to pay you your full wage while you're on a jury. So a lot of people just want to get in there. And get out, right? It's not, costing not just that. Social costing media. them money to be there. What about social media? They want to go back on their phones and because they're not meant to go oh, on social right. media, right? So your yeah, whole life, yeah, yeah. really, in this day and age, stops when you're a juror. You can't discuss. That's the right. Case I want to get back to my cat memes. Damn yeah, it! Yeah, that's right. So there's no obligation. Is the point? There's no obligation on jurors who are holding out, like you know, the one or two jurors that are like, yeah, no, 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 it's not guilty, and the rest are guilty. There's no obligation on them to come to the party. So very nuanced part of the law, but that's what the black direction is because that high court case established uh, a sort of industry-wide rule of thumb when it comes to judges giving jury directions. They, they took the ambiguity out of it and, and gave effectively like a script. So this is a thing, like at least in New South Wales, I know there's these things called, um, they call them the trial court bench books. And so it's like a user manual for for judges. And the cool thing about them is they're all online. So you can actually go and have a look at what the script is for a, for a black direction in, in this situation yep. that a judge is supposed to give to the jury. Yep. And really, judges need to follow these scripts closely instead of ad-libbing because as soon as, as, soon as they kind of go off script, it's, it's an excuse – I shouldn't say excuse. It's a it's a reason for an appeal because they might find that they've misdirected the jury and there's been a miscarriage of justice because you know the judge said something that they weren't supposed to. Like in this case, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it leads to it leads to an appeal. If yeah. the appeal gets up, it means the appellant court basically quashes the conviction and they send it back to the to, to the, the lower court. court. Yeah, the do lower it again. Court, do it then, again. And then the DPP's got to decide, do we go again? Yeah. Yeah. And that costs even more money, Chad. And like you alluded to, this actually happened in the second trial. This is his second guilty verdict. He, he received a guilty verdict from the second trial. So the first trial was a hung jury. The second trial was a guilty verdict, but he won on appeal. Well, he, he, he got the conviction quashed on appeal, I should say. He didn't win. It's not a civil case. But mm. he, he got that quashed because of poor jury direction from the judge in oh, the yeah, second case. You so so yeah, yeah, yeah. you can see why, especially you know, in this matter specifically, the judge was very careful in how he directed the jury. So what were we talking about? That was the Monday direction, the jury coming out after a week of deliberation saying, hey, we can't agree. The judge said, go back, persevere, get on with it, uh, keep debating the issues, flesh out the details and come back to me uh, and, and let me know how you go. No pressure, completely in your own time. Just get the job done. Right. Then comes Tuesday, the next day. Tuesday, the jury actually sends a question to 
the judge. Here was the question. Dear Your Honour, we've taken another vote and while we have made progress, we are not at a unanimous decision. We would like to clarify if ignorance of the law is a sufficient defence. That's a specific <laughs> question. It's a very stupid question, but it's a very specific <laughs> – we shouldn't be mean. It's a very only, specific Only question. if you're a politician, Chad. Only if you're a politician <laughs> – and it's um, misuse of public o- office. Robo-debt. So, so this was Judge Turnbull's response. He said, the short answer is no. In this case, you must remember the burden of proof is on the Crown and the accused does not have to prove anything. Brilliant direction. That's a very important principle of law that everyone should understand. He continued to say, neither the accused nor the complainant misunderstood that it was anything but illegal to force yourself on a woman without her consent, whether it be digitally or orally. So basically the question was, if Jared Hayne was ignorant of the law, if he wasn't fully aware of the law and yeah, that man, come situation, on. Yeah, Haynes, it's ridiculous. Hainsey was pissed. He's not a criminal lawyer. How does he know? Yeah, how like, does he know? Yeah. Give him a break. Well, I think they- He can't be found guilty if he doesn't know. Yeah, I think there's a nuance there. I mean, let's let's give the jury a little bit more credit. Perhaps the question, which we don't know, perhaps the question yeah. they were debating was whether or not she explicitly said no or did she just freeze up and not give explicit consent because they're two different scenarios. Let me flesh this out for a moment. If she said, no, don't stop, I don't want you to do it, that's different to freezing up and not participating in the sex act, both of which could be rape. With the current law, yes, but I think at the time that this happened, there weren't positive consent laws. So without positive consent laws, he only has to be reckless uh, to the fact that she was consenting or, or yeah, reckless in there are thinking two about whether she consented? Yeah, there's is that two right? Is that right? Like yes. they've changed, they've, there's kind of, it's kind of, if you if you look at the, the history of of how these kind of um, like sex assault cases are worded, the, the wording's kind of gotten stronger and stronger o- over time. And now we're at the point where it's actually, it has to be positive consent. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, whereas before it was, you know, whether it's whether you turned your mind to whether the person consented or not, or or it was a it was a subjective objective view about whether you thought they could give consent. I don't want to go into the history of all the reform because I'm not an expert at it either. But if you if you kind of plot it along the timeline, we get to right the end point where we are now, which is positive consent, which is yeah. fantastic by the way. But at yeah. this point in time, it it wasn't it wasn't positive consent, but yeah. I think on the facts, though, on the facts of her saying, if you take um, the victim's evidence as fact, she said, no, outright no, I'm not having sex with you. You've got a taxi waiting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to that in a second. Just let me clarify those two points, which you articulated quite well, I think. But in, in, in very basic terms, the court here, or the jury rather, they had to consider two questions. Number one, was there consent? Yes or no? Number two, was Jared Hayne reasonably aware that there was not consent? So it's not just about whether or not there's explicit consent, because this was in 2018. If you were trying this case after the law changed, it could be as simple as if you didn't have explicit consent, then you didn't have consent. However, back then, 
you had to establish the frame of mind or the state of mind rather of the perpetrator, in this case, Jared Hayne, and his awareness of the existence and presence of consent. So that's a very, very difficult thing to discern. That's why we need explicit consent, uh, positive consent laws, right? How do you yeah. determine beyond a reasonable doubt the state of mind of the of the perpetrator? I mean, it's a very, very state of mind is a very, very difficult thing to discern unless you have like a manifesto where you write, this is my motivation, this is my intent, this is how I feel, this is what I'm going to do, which is well, very rare. Till till Elon Musk figures out that neural link where we've got like, you know, direct like access to our brains and I'm sure then we'll get, you know, warrants to get access to our neural links. Until, until, that, until that, Neuralink becomes sentient, then we're all fucked. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a bit of a diversion. But but okay. yeah, no, you can't you can't know you can't know what his state of mind was. You can only tell from the circumstantial evidence about around that. And by the way, him being pissed, showing up pissed as a fart doesn't, no, it doesn't help anything. him at all. No, no, right? no, no, no. It doesn't help him at all. You, you know what? That's probably a good segue. Why don't Why don't we move into the whole he said, she said argument? Because this is sort of the nature of these sexual assault cases and it keeps coming up time and time again in these high-profile sexual assault cases and obviously in all of these other sexual assault cases that we never hear about. So let's talk about that. I just remembered, Nico, I really wanted to tell you something last night, but I, yeah. I forgot to, I was busy. Did you hear about that case in Adelaide, the the, the gang rape case just no, recently? No. Oh, you don't know about this. Okay. So there were, I think there were two, two young women. I think they were 18 and 19. Yep, 18 and 19. And there were four guys that apparently uh, raped them, gang raped them in a stairwell in Adelaide, like near a car park. It was huge. It has, it has it was... to be fucking South Australia, right? <laughs> oh, I don't know about that, mate. Western Sydney. But guess what happened? <laughs> guess what happened? What? The DPP what? has withdrawn the charges against the four men. What? Do you want to know why? Sure. Why? During a previous court hearing, defence lawyers argued that new CCTV footage that was presented showed a different version of events and provided some serious questions about the lack of consent. Okay. You, you know what that means, right? You know what that's code for. They consented? What's it code for? It's code for maybe they were fibbing a little bit. Right. Why would they? I mean, it's such a high, that was a high profile case. I mean, gang rape, this is the kind of, you know, you, you pursue this. This is in the public interest. We can't have... 18, 19-year-old women being gang raped in stairwells in, you know. That's right. In modern Australia. I mean, were they were they Middle Eastern though, Chad? Maybe. I don't know what their nationality was. was. <laughs> um, there was a 21-year-old man, another 21-year-old man with no fixed address. Wow. 24-year-old man and a 22-year-old man. That's and, code for homeless, and, right? And I think so. And two youths aged 16 and 17. So the reason why I wanted to bring this up and, you know, let's be mature about this. Believe all women, folks, it's tricky. It's tricky because cases like this where it's potential, I mean, this is very different to the Hayne case. The Hayne case, you know, he's probably going to serve two or three more years in prison, 
and then move on with his life. This sort of gang rape, you're talking 20-year sentences, 15-year sentences, like really life-altering changes. Yeah, huge sentences, yeah, right? Because yeah. it's aggravating circumstances. Absolutely. Yeah, and as a gang, you know, it's it's aggravating, yeah, to say the least. So I know I say this jokingly, but I think the only way to make sure that there's none of these like false convictions is that you have to start recording every sex act on film. Well, I think that's basically what happened. And oh, I, that's how they, that, that's how they got off. But the thing is, look, look, I, I, I should clarify. I don't know the full details about this case. I mean, it's no longer a case. Okay. I don't know the full details, but what it seems like to me is that they were there were claims made by the two young women that were taken seriously by the police, and so they should, but unbeknownst to, I think, maybe the police and the girls, there was CCTV footage that they didn't know about. Yeah, that's that's messed up, Nico. That's That's messed up. Because, you know, if we didn't have that CCTV footage, if the defense lawyers did not come across that CCTV footage, it'd be a he said, she said. And then you'd have a whole crowd of people protesting and saying, believe all women. And then you have a whole crowd of young men, you know, that follow Andrew Tate and, you know, going nuts and saying, oh, no, they made it up. And then it's almost it's almost heading to reverse burden of proof, right? uh, You have to basically prove that it was consensual. Yeah. Before, before you'll be found um, not guilty of these yeah. kind of offences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, again, I know this it's a bit off track and it's got nothing to do with the Hain case. I'm not suggesting that the young woman in the Hain case is lying at all. Hain has uh, been convicted. He's guilty. According to the court, she was telling the truth. I fully accept that. No problems there. Yeah, and, and look, you had 12 – I mean, this is the whole thing with jury trials, right? You had 12 people. They saw her evidence – you know, got to see the whites of her eyes. The juries are the trier of facts, and they've believed her story over Haynes. So, so it's yeah, fact. As far it, as, it's it's fact. As far as the yeah. court's concerned, she, yeah. like Haynes guilty, yeah. and that's what happened. Yeah, pending appeal. So, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. However, my point is that a lot of these cases, in the absence of that kind of CCTV footage, that shows you, you know, what actually happened. And again, the quote was provided some serious questions about the lack of consent, which basically means they were into it. You know, they were doing it. It wasn't rape. That's my understanding. Yeah, yeah. The he said, she said business, right? So Haynes' only defense, and he didn't have this defense in the first two trials. It was only in this trial that he brought this witness. So for those of you who don't know, there was a guy that was messaging the victim on the day. Oh, oh, oh. The surprise witness. Yeah. He was, he was new for this trial, was he? Yeah, I, I believe so. Oh, man. I believe so. Oh, that, this is... I'm pretty sure it, it, he, he was new for this trial. He approached yeah, yeah, yeah. the defence. No, because he, mu- he must have been because we didn't talk about this la- last time, right? This 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 came out after we did the, the first show. Correct, correct. So let's just put this in context just quickly. Her side of the story, which has been accepted by the jury, is that she communicated with a friend on the night. She sent pics. They had a brief discussion about consent, which, like I said in previous podcasts uh, on the Jared Hain trial, were really important because, you know, it's effectively a matter of consent. Then she visited the doctor, you know, a few days later. 
uh, on October 3rd, so three days after, and they went through that process. She told her sister on a FaceTime call several weeks later on October 30, you know, she broke down. Then the brother-in-law went to the Channel 9 uh, sports journal, Danny Weedler. He told them to go to um, the NRL integrity unit and then authorities became involved. So that was her side, which has been accepted by the jury, presumably. But Haynes' side, interestingly, was basically, look, we agree with everything, all the above. However, she never said no. And she did consent. And he stopped immediately after she began to bleed. So he really tried to simplify it. But again, this time around, they brought in this bloke. He was the final witness. He was the only witness that the defense called. And he gave evidence last, uh, not last Thursday, Thursday before uh, the second last day of the trial, the day before the closing uh, arguments, he gave evidence for 20 minutes and he did so by, by a video link, I believe. He wasn't actually in the court. Now, this is what he said. He said that he'd met with the woman about three times ahead of that day, September 30, 2018. She contacted him continually. He was having lunch and dinner with friends on the day in question. And you've probably seen the text message exchange published by, you know, news.com, Daily Mail, all those um, useless Can you remind us? I, I'm not sure that I've seen it. Yeah. So basically they went through screen, screenshots. Uh, the first message from the woman was, you made me feel fucking terrible today with a bye waving emoji. Uh, the man told the court he didn't want to go see her and she wanted me to go over to her house. So then the woman messaged, are you going to talk to me? Otherwise, I won't. At least answer me and not be a dick. So the man replied to that, you honestly lost me at Jared Hain is your side boy with laughing emojis. So then the, the woman had apparently told him something about Jared Hain before that. And his evidence was, you know, she was saying, if I didn't go and see her, she would get Jared Hain to come over. So the woman then messaged, he isn't, he contacted me last night and he asked my number and rang me and I told him no. The man then said that he stopped talking to her that day when she sent further messages that read, you said maybe, so I'm asking if you're not, I feel like a fucking idiot, are you coming over? And Kay, if we aren't going to keep talking, I'm going to say yes to Jared Hayne coming over here to hang out when he's done with his mates. Otherwise, I won't let him. And so he replied, <laughs> this guy's got mad uh, texting game. He replied saying, oh my God, get me his signature, babe. Kiss, kiss. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he- Hey, so at least at least he got his signature. You reckon he asked for no, it? No, but he, he said- <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. So he, he didn't actually believe her. He didn't realize that she was being serious. His evidence was that, you know, he thought it was a joke because I thought she was joking and I didn't take it seriously. All I could recall was just feeling like she was being aggressive and she was just messaging me nonstop talking to herself. Look, let's just move away from that for a second and, and talk about it sort of more broadly. Don't you think it's interesting that that's the only witness that the defense called? So if I'm sitting in the jury, me personally, I mean, I, I, you and I, for those of you wondering, people who have studied law, people who, I'm not a lawyer, but Nico is, um, people who have studied law, you, you can't you can't go on a jury because you're not the sort of average layman, so to speak. You, you have views on principles of law and you can't have that if you're a juror. Because you, you, won't, you won't convict as easily, Chad. Right, that's right. Why. And, and that's my point. If I was in the jury, that evidence from that guy 
on the last day of the of the trial before closing arguments for me is almost entirely irrelevant this whole case was specifically about that 20 or 30 minutes before the 32nd act took place it's all about consent it's all bro not even the injury to the woman's genitalia is relevant mm. for me Considering well, that I mean, it wasn't aggravated charges, it was just straight up sexual assault, not aggravated sexual assault, like like, like we outlined in the last last episode. Put it this way: that witness wasn't enough to sway the jury. I guess hundred so percent. Like, it couldn't, and, couldn't create reasonable doubt. Honestly, it doesn't matter if she was texting other guys and trying to get attention. Just because you want attention from guys and you're inviting guys over, doesn't mean that she didn't say no. Like that's that's it, right? But how pathetic is that as a defence? Uh, probably getting a little bit out of, out of line here. I shouldn't sort of criticize criticize these legal arguments too much. But how pathetic is that? I'll, I'll do it anyway. How pathetic is that as a defense, which is basically, yeah, nah, she wanted it. That's evidence that she wanted it. I mean, really? That's the best. Mm. If I'm on the jury, for me, that's like, okay, you guys are clutching at straws now if you're rolling out this bloke. Actually, I think, I think though that it's not that she – hey, she wanted it, but she also hid those text messages as well, right? Because she submitted her phone to the police as evidence and they did a Celebrite dump and these came up as deleted messages, right? Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to get access to the full version of today's episode, become a subscriber. There's a link below Click on that link. If you're on Spotify, it's a seamless integration with the app. But if you're on a different app other than Spotify, all you have to do is subscribe and then copy the RSS link into your app of choice to get the full episode Chad Theory feed. Thanks for listening. We appreciate your support and I'll catch you next time. See ya.